Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. We're going through the Psalms this summer, and there's something that happens in us when we pray the Psalms. The Psalms, uh, this uh, curated playlist of 150 uh, Hebrew poems, have been the prayer book and the song book for God's people for many, many, many centuries. When we hold the Psalms in our hands, I mean, we've got the whole Bible, but you know, think of the Psalms in your hands. When you hold the Psalms in your hands, you hold in your hands the same prayer book that Jesus held. <laughs> you, you hold the same prayer book that King Hezekiah held. You hold the same prayer book that the Apostle Paul or the teacher Priscilla or Mary or Martha or Lazarus held. This is the same prayer book. These songs or laments or celebrations, they've been prayed and they've been memorized and meditated upon and internalized by countless faithful brothers and sisters day after day and month after month and year after year, stretching back hundreds of years before Christ himself was even born. And they form the lyrical and liturgical rhythm of their lives. So make no mistake about it. If you want to learn how to pray, and I know lots of you do, because prayer is not the easiest thing, is it? Learning how to pray is something that uh, we want or sort of want or aren't even sure if we want, but there's something about it. If you want to learn to pray, you can do no better than learning to pray the way Jesus learned to pray, the way Paul or Mary learned to pray, and that's in the school of the Psalms. And as we do that, as we enter this school of prayer, as we let this playlist be the soundtrack of our days, we find that the prayers themselves begin to affect us deeply. That we're changed as we pray them. We discover, uh, I think to our surprise sometimes, and maybe only when we look back at our lives, we discover that these prayers have been actively reforming our hearts and reframing our minds. They've been reinforcing to us the truth of who God is and who we are as God's people. And all of that being worked out in difficulties and complications as well as joys in our lives. So thank God for the Psalms. When we take up the Psalms and begin to pray them, we find that our hearts and minds begin to shift from a woe is me attitude and there's plenty of that in there. But it begins to shift from a woe is me attitude to, you could say, a, a wow, he's God kind of perspective. And that's not because by praying these things, life gets easier. It doesn't, actually. Life is hard. But we discover that as we pray from underneath the pressures and through the pains of life, that the tragedies, the difficulties, the muck, the complications become the very context maybe the only context in which these prayers really get a hold of us. 
they really grow us deeper in faith. They really do begin to shift our minds and reform our hearts. We are changed as we pray. And today, Psalm 27 throws all of this up in bright lights so we can see it nice and clear. It's a wonderful prayer, Psalm 27. I think, you know, people say you shouldn't have favorites, but that's just with kids, right? With the Psalms, I definitely have some faves. And I think this is one of the top, hit, top hits, honestly, on the long playlist. Because it expresses such deep devotion, such passionate worship, such radical trust that's born right out of the middle of the muck. And we find that as we pray through Psalm 27, our faith in the Lord as our one security, as our only desire, as our one guide, as our only hope, that is deepened within us as we pray it. It's expanded as we say these words and we find ourselves assured in the truth of it, that we're changed as we pray. And so I invite you to pray together through Psalm 27 today as we go. This is how it begins. Now, if you're uh, online, you want to read along, do that, have a Bible, have a phone, or just listen. I'm reading from the New International Version, Psalm 27, just verses 1 through 3 to start. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. As we pray this first section of Psalm 27, 1-3, what do we discover as we're expressing it? As we're praying it? We discover that the Lord is our one security. And it's pretty awesome poetry too, isn't it? Ooh, I love it. I mean, this first verse, just, just verse one. Psalm 27, verse one, it's worth internalizing, isn't it? Some of you already have it memorized. But it's a beautiful psalm to pray. This, this verse as a breath prayer throughout your day. I've talked about breath prayers before. Maybe you've heard of them. It's the idea of having a phrase that, that mentally, you don't have to, it's kind of hard to do it out loud actually because you're breathing. But mentally, as you breathe in, one phrase is coming in. And as you breathe out, the next phrase is going out. So the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Seriously. Those of you who struggle with anxiety and fear, what a beautiful way to take this first verse and let it be your very breath. Some of you, if I stopped right now and you just did that, you'd find your life changed. I don't mean overnight, but there's something powerful about taking this prayer in and out, in and out, in and out. We discover as we do more deeply than we can imagine that the Lord is our one security. 
as we make this prayer our prayer, particularly as we're facing struggles or troubles, we're given courage to face whatever it is that assails us because the prayer itself is reinforcing the truth that in the Lord, in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is our light, he is our salvation, he is the stronghold, and with him as our one security, whom shall we fear? What's the rhetorical answer to that? Nobody. Nothing. Zilch. Praying this encourages us, as in it puts courage into us because it tells us who it is that's for us even when we look out and it seems like everyone's against us. And so the question immediately for all of us is, what's assailing you? What army is besieging your gates? Is it looming debt or a kid in crisis? Is it a conflict with a friend, a crumbling marriage, a mental health struggle that seems to be escalating? Is it sickness, anxiety, an uncertain future? Is it the fact that there's just a whole bunch of fires out there and the smoke seems to be getting lower and lower? Name your enemy. That's what this invites us to do. Identify the advancing army at your gates. And then you take this verse, these first few verses, and in your mind, mentally, using your imagination, you, I kind of like high fantasy and you know, medieval movies and stuff, so you know, work with me here. The idea is you, you climb up on the inside of the wall and you, you get up on the ramparts, parapet, I don't know what you... Up there where they shoot the arrows, right? And you look down at the army that's besieging your gates and you pray this prayer. You imagine this army stretched before you, assailing you, going after you, and you pray this prayer. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And as you pray this, you find yourself increasingly anchored in this profound truth that the Lord Jesus, the Almighty Father, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. He is our true one security. He's the one who's with you. He is your light. He is your salvation. He is your stronghold. And as you pray it, you're given more and more confidence in the middle of whatever seems to be overwhelming you or trying to destroy you. When it seems like there's no safe place to stand when there's no way to secure yourself, we pray the truth of this psalm that there is in fact no other security, no other security than he who is the one security for us. Do you see how that happens as we pray it? As we pray it, the truth becomes reinforced in our lives. Our minds become reformed. Our, Our hearts become renewed. We begin to see and feel differently even in the experience of trouble. Well, that's the first thing. We discover the Lord is our one security. The second emerges over verses four through eight. So pressing on. Psalm 27, four through eight. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. 
At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. When you take up Psalm 27 and you make it yours, we find that we're expressing actually the fact that the Lord is our only desire. You heard the words, this only do I seek. But if you're like me, you pause at that moment and say, really? My only desire? (laughs) I mean, the one thing? I mean, don't we often feel filled with many desires? Some of them directly conflicting. Some of them maybe coinciding. Some of them just downright confusing. Others clear. Couldn't it seem a bit disingenuous to pray this prayer, maybe even fake, to pray this psalm as though it's my words? Are you with me on that? You can read this and feel like, can I honestly say and pray that the one thing I ask of the Lord and this only do I seek to be in his presence and to gaze on his beauty? I need a drink. I question it about myself when I pray that. But herein lies the power and the beauty of praying the Psalms, folks. When we come to these prayers and we hold them up and we begin to sound them out, we sound out the words, we begin to mirror in our heart the very expression of this psalmist. When we pray these prayers, even with the knowledge that we ourselves do not yet fully align with it, the Spirit catches us up and begins ever so subtly but absolutely surely to shift our heart's desires toward him and his beauty. That we are changed as we pray. That we discover as we pray the intention, your face, Lord, I will seek. That the Holy Spirit, in fact, moves within us to help us seek, to grow in us that very desire, to fan into flames that little spark. There's so much power when we pray because even the tiniest movement is amplified and maximized by the Holy Spirit who is within us. And what's more, the very act of praying this psalm functions to focus our hearts on him when there is so much that would distract us or dissuade us. When all other desires All of the pleasures have failed to fulfill us. We discover as we're praying this that there really is no other desire that will meet our deepest longings like he will. As we're praying Psalm 27, we acknowledge that our desire to desire him, we want it to be our one desire. But in that moment, in that tension, we're also able to acknowledge the ways that that's not yet true of us. To actually let the Holy Spirit highlight gently things in our lives that aren't aligning, misdirected desires, disordered desires, things that are dragging us away. Not because the Holy Spirit wants to heap on guilt or shame. No, 
But because through transparency and grace, the Holy Spirit's able to help us let go of those disordered or lesser desires that we can fully experience Him. And that's why the spiritual practice of spiritual friendship, where you regularly connect with a brother or a sister to discuss, often when your trust grows, to discuss some of those disordered desires, those things that are misplaced, to to, to talk about ways that I'm trying to to, to grow my heart's desire for the Lord, but I I feel like I'm, I'm either distracted or derailed. This kind of conversation with a trusted friend in confidence can be a critical way They're able to name those things and encourage one another in the pursuit of Jesus so that we can truly pray into this prayer. The one thing, this only do I seek, to gaze upon his beauty. It's also where a spiritually wise therapist or a trained spiritual director can be very helpful too because much of our lives is figuring out and sorting out what is going on in me to be able to sort that through This beautiful prayer can be part of that journey, part of that change. Okay, so where are we so far? By praying Psalm 27, our trust in the Lord as our one security grows. Our desire for him as the only desire deepens as we pray it. But we move from there now to guidance. This is the next section, Psalm 27, 9 through 12. We discover as we pray it that the Lord is our one guide. Here it is. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. As we've seen so far, and we see it again here, this prayer is not isolated from troubles, is it? This is a guy facing tough stuff. Oppressors and foes, false witnesses, spouting malicious gossip, even mentioning parental rejection. This is all in here. It seems to be the context for which this prayer is going up. It's it's, it's recognizing God... We not only need you to guide us, but you're all we got as a guide. But without you, we're toast. Without you, we're lost. We need you to survive. We need you to guide us. Uh, one, one preacher I, I heard, he's fond of saying, you know, these little, little catchphrases that better preachers than I have. Um, he, 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 he likes to say this line, uh, where is it? Oh, when you realize that God's all you have, you find he's all you need. And it's, I think there's a bit of that going on. Let me say it again, because it is good. Uh, When you realize that God's all you have, you'll find that he's all you need. And there's a sense of that here. There's a sense in which this prayer is, is desperate, that he knows his life is on the line, that there really is an army besieging his gates, that he's surrounded by troubles, and he needs, and he knows he needs the Lord to be his guide, to show him the way or else. Or else. When we're surrounded by troubles, Psalm 27, as we pray it, assures us that we can be secure in the Lord. When we're beset by distractions and temptations, Psalm 27 helps grow our desire for the Lord. But we still need to know, where do we go now? Like, what do we do? I don't know what to do. I walk around confused half the time. 
What do I do? How do I love this person? Well, what, what do I, how do I respond to that? Oh, that was awkward. What do I do now? Uh, what am I supposed to reject? What am I supposed to stand up and fight about? What am I supposed to just run and hide from? So much of life is confusing and overwhelming, isn't it? Do you feel that? I feel that. And this prayer names all of that while focusing our hearts and our minds and our prayers on this essential truth. God, we need you to guide us. Teach me your way. You're the only one we've got. You're the only one who can guide us. And as we pray that prayer for guidance, as we ask the Lord to to, to teach us and to lead us, it functions at the same time to remind us and to reform us so that we stop just grasping for any guide we can grab. Oh, that guide sounds good. Let's grab a hold of him. Or, oh, I saw a post on Facebook. Or, oh, yeah, my aunt said this at coffee. I think I'll do that. We start grasping for guides who aren't necessarily serving us. And the call as we pray this is to place the full weight of our trust on the Lord who guides us by his spirit, who guides us through his word, who, yes, guides us through his people who are being led by the spirit through the word, giving us wisdom and insight in our own hearts and minds. But he is the one who is our guide. That as we are submitted and as we are open to him, this prayer moves us more deeply into trust. And it will at the same time call into question guides that we've been listening to who are not rooted in the truth of who God is or who we are in him. It'll highlight some of those false guides. It'll give us discernment so that we can follow after the one who is our true and best guide. Well, the final verses root us in the fact that the Lord is also our only hope. Finishing off with this, verses 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. One of the most profound biblical truths that weaves through the entire story, all the stories in the Bible, is that God is always, always, always working out everything for the good of those who love him. Everything for the good of those who are his people. That he is very profoundly and in the best possible way, he is on our side. Now, not in the way that means that God simply blesses and rubber stamps everything we want to do, right? That would not be good. Thank you, Jesus, for not rubber stamping everything I wanted to do. Amen? Amen. And so it doesn't mean that God is there to say that God is on my side, God is on your side. It means that God just said, yeah, you go for it, but you do whatever, you, whatever your heart desires. No, 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 no. My heart desires things that aren't good for me, right? All the time, which is why I need the earlier part of the prayer. But to be confident that this is a God who really is on our side, a good father who's on the side of his children, and he will use the tragedies of our lives, the sickness we experience, the failure that happens in our lives, in every, the sins even that we've committed, as well as the sins committed against us, that God is big enough and resourceful enough and faithful enough and loving enough to take even those things and work them into us, his good desire. That he has a vision for our lives. And we can be confident of this. 
that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that there's an anchor there, that even though there's an army around me, that even though it looks like life has gone down the tubes, I will be confident of this, and in that place of confidence, I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust. I'm going to take courage and take heart, because there is a Father who is on my side, and Jesus has come to redeem the brokenness, not only of this world, but of my life. And the Holy Spirit is actively working in spite of how it may look at times around us where it looks like there is no hope. I can be confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because God is good, he is faithful, and he'll see us through. And it's a wonderful expression of trust to pray this prayer here at the end and say, God, you really are my only hope. I have seen and tried and, 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 and attempted to do things on my own or to trust other things to bring security, to fulfill my desires, to guide me. And in the end, I know that there is only one. There's only you. You are my only hope. And that begins to solidify in our hearts and minds, not by just understanding it intellectually, Certainly not by hearing a half an hour sermon from me. How does it happen? Friends, it happens by taking that psalm, Psalm 27, and praying it. By actually taking these words and making them yours. And so our application, how do we, how do we actually take these things? How, how do I grow in the things that we've even talked about? How do I really discover that God is my security? that he is my one desire, that he is my guide. How does that grow in me, friends? You take this psalm and you pray it. And, it, and it's not overnight. You're not gonna know and feel all this by tomorrow morning. Wouldn't that be nice? It's gonna be by coming back to a prayer like Psalm 27 and choosing to pray it, to internalize it, to repeat it, to write it out by hand, to slow it down and read a verse a day but to begin to speak the words, not as words on a page, but words from your heart. And as we pray, we are changed. As we pray, our minds are renewed. Our hearts are reformed. And we come to discover that this God really is the one, really is the only. And so my invitation to you is very simple. It seems like my application every week has been virtually the same. Take the psalm and pray it. But that's the invitation of Jesus too. That's what he did. He prayed the psalms. Paul prayed the psalms. Mary prayed the psalms. Brothers and sisters down through the ages have prayed these words. And somehow, as we pray, we are changed. And so our invitation is to take Psalm 27, take these 14 verses and pray them. Pray them and pray them and just see what the Lord does in our hearts. Crystal's going to come. We're going to lead you in a final song, but let me pray as we head toward that. (laughs) Lord Jesus, as we hold the Psalm 27 in our hands, we recognize that you stood in places and times when you were surrounded by enemies, where you were the one besieged. You were the one where false witnesses spouted malicious gossip. I mean, we we know the story. 
we recognize that as we look to you, we see the one who is our light and our salvation, but you in those places stood for us and looked to your father at the same time. You prayed this prayer. And so very simply, we recognize today that we often do not. <laughs> we do not recognize immediately that, that you are our one security, that you are our one desire, that you are our only guide. We, we confess that we look to many things, but we don't want to. We don't want to. And so today, in the weeks ahead, would you take this psalm, Psalm 27, other psalms as well, but this psalm, Holy Spirit, would you weave that into our hearts and minds? Give us the tenacity, the intentionality, just the planning to pick it up and pray it. And would you take even that smallest flicker of movement and expand it? and maximize it. Those of us who are afraid, those of us who are are lost, those of us who are confused, through this prayer, would would you lead us to a place of deep hope, of deep security, of true guidance and fulfilled desire in you? Thank you, Jesus, for praying on our behalf and offering this to us today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.